If you're noticing tonight, we are one-third of the way through with the 21st chapter of Proverbs. We are two-thirds of the way through the entire book of Proverbs. In this effort, we have been hearing, we have been learning verse by verse God's wisdom given through this book. And that has been the process. Verse by verse, God has been giving us His wisdom through the study of this book. Now, not to be answered out loud tonight, but the question I want to ask is, how are you doing? Are you growing in wisdom? Have you grown in wisdom? Can you say, you know what, in this process, I've plugged in and I've grown in godly wisdom. More importantly than all of that, are you changing? Is your life different than it was before we started this study. Now, the truth is God's Word has the power to and contains the possibility to change us. That's an awesome thing. It has the potential to shape us as people, to build us into the godly person that God desires that we would be. And so my question is, as we come tonight, we wouldn't just rush in and then turn around and rush back out, but to consider how are you doing? Are you growing in godly wisdom? Are you changing? Is God able to shape you in the study of his word? Now, I want to tell you wherever you are, and whatever your answer to that is, tonight we can draw a line and say, God, speak to me tonight. God, shape me in your word tonight. Build me to look more like you in our study tonight. And that's our goal tonight. Psalm 19 says, the testimony of the Lord, the Word of God, the testimony of the word, Lord is sure making wise the simple. And so that is the promise of God. If we will study His Word, if we will take it in, He will make wise the simple. That is our goal tonight. Now we're back to our study, chapter 21. Tonight, last time we left off in the 11th verse, we're going to pick up tonight in the 12th verse. Proverbs chapter 21, beginning of verse 12, God's word says this. The righteous one considers the house of the wicked, turning the wicked to ruin. The righteous one considers the house of the wicked, turning the wicked to ruin. Now, the truth of verse 12 is that we are to be awake as followers of Christ. We are to be aware. We are to be observant. And we are to be surveying, looking at the world around us. That's what we ought to do. We ought to have our eyes open. We ought to have our minds engaged. And we are to be surveying the world around us. Verse 12 says, the righteous, meaning those that are seeking to lead godly lives, that's the context for the word, those that are actually desiring to please God, to honor God, the verse says that they consider the house of the wicked, turning the wicked to ruin. And, and that's, that's the verse. Those that are seeking to live righteous lives, they are considering the house of the wicked. The word for considers, it is a word in Hebrew that means wisely considers or is prudent. Another definition is wisely ponders. And so this person, this one that's seeking to be a righteous person, they are looking around at the neighbor's house and they are wisely considering it. They are pondering it. Here's what we do. 
we watch people living in the neglect of God's word and we see their ruin. We see their end. We see the trouble in their life. Now, as we do that, as we consider that, think about that, we start to understand if you do this thing, if you live in the neglect of God's word in this area, if you live in disobedience in this area, this will be the result. Now, you could apply that to a whole lot of areas. If you're to neglect God's word in this thing, this will be the result. Or maybe in some other area, you watch the neighbors and you see if they live in disobedience in that area, this will be the result. Well, the verse says, the wise person, the righteous person, watches and learns from that. Now, I thought about that. Did you know there are better ways to learn than having to experience everything yourself? Having to do everything yourself and then find out, hey, that wasn't a good idea. I think sometimes we get the idea or we hear folks say, well, you got to learn. You got to live. And when you make mistakes, you will learn from that. Well, I want to tell you, that is true, but there is a better way. There is a more prudent way, and that is to watch what happens to others and learn from their mistakes. Listen, we do not have to make every mistake in order to learn. We can watch the fate of others walking in disobedience, and we can learn from that. The righteous one considers the house of the wicked, turning the wicked to ruin. Verse 13, moving on. He who shuts his ear to the cry of the poor will also cry himself and not be answered. A very straightforward verse. He who shuts his ear to the cry of the poor will also cry himself and not be answered. Now, understand, because we are to copy the character of God, because we are to emulate the character of God, we are to be caring and we are to be kind, and we are to be generous to those in need. That's what the verse says. That's what Scripture tells us. If we see those in need, and we ignore them, or we overlook them, we ignore them, the Bible says in this verse, there will be a day when perhaps we are found in need, and we will find no help. And so we close our ears, we close our eyes to the person in need, and someday when we might find ourselves in need, we will find no help. As God's people, we are helpful, we are gracious, we are generous to those in need. Now, I want to tell you a weird thing in our day is being able to determine when a person's in need. And I, I didn't know this until I started working in a church you know, it's, it's a hard thing when people show up and say, I'm in need. I'm in need. I need you to help me. We need some help in this area. Now, the Bible gives us some guidelines. Those in need, a widow. Those in need, orphans. Those in need, people that are ill. Those that are in need, those that society has shut out. Now, I think we have a day when we think, you know what, if, if somebody's alive, they, they need to benefit from our generosity. We're to be generous but this is speaking about a person in need that truly is in need. We are to be generous and caring to that person. All right, verse 14. A gift in secret subdues anger, and a bride in the bosom strong wrath. 
A gift in secret subdues anger, and a bribe, the, a bribe in the bosom strong wrath. Now, this is an interesting thing. Here, notice this in verse 14. We're seeing a discussion on a gift. It's called a bribe in the original language. It's more like a gift, but you could call it a bribe. And we see this reoccurring, really double-sidedness on this subject. There are two perspectives in the Proverbs on a bribe or a gift. And let me explain it to you before we get into the context of this verse. One idea of a bribe or a gift is to buy undue influence, to use the gift to pervert justice. Maybe you're needing to secure a certain verdict. And so you give a bribe or you give a gift that you would have that verdict. Maybe you're trying to sway a king. Well, the Bible says that type of bribery, that type of gift is an injustice. It is not pleasing to God. It is a sin. And so there's one type of gift, one type of bribe that is trying to pervert justice, that is trying to secure injustice. The Bible condemns, speaks heavily of that type of bribery. Now, another sort of gift of bribe is one that is used to buy peace. And really in the context, it is to facilitate reconciliation. It's not to pervert justice. It's not to buy an injustice, but really it is a remedy for an injustice that has been done. Now, do you see the difference in that? One of them is trying to pervert the justice. The other one is trying to buy an injustice, and the other is trying to make a remedy for an injustice that has been done. That second type, the Bible calls wise. Now, let me give you a picture of this. Let me, let me paint a picture here. You have offended somebody. You have wronged somebody. And that person is mad. The Bible says they have strong wrath. You have injured them. You have offended them. You have wronged a person. And that person is found in anger toward you. There is strong wrath toward you. Well, here's what this picture is. You show up with flowers or a ribeye, and peace ensues. That's what the picture is. You've upset somebody, and you show up in my house and say, man, I've made a mistake. I've upset you, and I've got four ribeyes right here, two inches thick. You know what starts to happen? Let me promise you this. Peace ensues. We start to forget about that problem. We start to move forward. Everything's going to be all right. It is human nature. You're bringing a peace offering. That's really what that is. And so in this case, the Bible says that is wise, not seeking to purchase an injustice, but seeking to remedy an injustice. You have injured a person. It is a wise thing to bring them a gift and start the process of reconciliation. That's what the picture is in verse 14. A gift in secret subdues anger. And a bribe in the bosom, strong wrath. All right, verse 15. The exercise of justice is joy for the righteous, but is terror to the workers of iniquity. Kind of a complicated verse. Let me read it again. The exercise of justice is joy for the righteous, but is terror to the workers of iniquity. Now, here's the deal. We love justice. We 
want justice. You know what? We want justice to be served. We need justice. A culture, a society needs justice. We need justice to be upheld. It is best for our culture. So we love justice unless it's carried out on us. Did you ever notice that? You know what? I like crime to go down. And I like people that drive crazy down my street to get a ticket. I, you come down my road and you're, you're driving, you might hurt my kids. You need to get a ticket. But you know what? I was going 41 on Wheelbarker. I didn't like justice when they wrote me a ticket. We need justice. We love justice until it's carried out on us. Then we love mercy. Then we like mercy. Well, in verse 15, if you are in the right, the carrying out of justice brings joy to you. You're in the right. You've done the right thing. Justice is being exercised. is being carried out. That is a cause for celebration. That is a joyful thing. But if you are in the wrong, if you're a worker of iniquity, of sin, it is a reason to be terrified. Justice will be carried out. You will receive your due. You have done wrong. And that is a terrifying thing. That verse is a call, really, to do the, to the, do the right thing. I think it's worth considering here, and so I want to take a, a side step for just a second. And I think it's worth considering tonight. I want you to think about this. There is no way to be a God of perfect, carried out, enforced, unprejudiced justice and be a God of gracious, unearned mercy at the same time. Listen very carefully. There is no way to say if there is an injustice, if there is a wrong, I'm going to serve justice in an and unprejudiced, unprejudiced manner, carry out and administer justice, and at the same time be a God of gracious mercy at the same time. Here's the thing. You can either carry out justice or you can show mercy. You cannot do both. You cannot fully be or do both. Now think about that for a second. Somebody does something, there has to be a penalty. And you either have to carry out the penalty and be a God of justice, or you can give grace and mercy and let it slide. You cannot be both at the same time. That is impossible, listen, except for in the cross except for in our gospel. And it's a mind-boggling thing to think about, but the only way that God can be a God of perfect justice and a God that's gracious to us as sinners is revealed to us in the cross of Calvary and the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want you to think about that for a second. Maybe tonight if you can't sleep, you can think about it a little bit longer. Justice is fully carried out in the person of Jesus. Sin requires a punishment. Sin requires a payment. The payment is death, and it is fully administered in the person of Jesus Christ. It's not passed over. It's not removed. It is fully administered to the person of Jesus Christ. He pays the penalty. He suffers death, and justice is fully carried out. And at the same time, listen, in the same act, grace is offered and mercy is available. 
Now listen, that doesn't make sense in any other system. There is no other religion that can come up with something as, as profound and as wild as that. Only in this Savior, only in this gospel, can we reconcile perfect justice and grace that is amazing in the person of Jesus Christ. That only happens in our gospel. If you get bored later, you can think about that later tonight. I almost had a separate sermon there. Verse 16. A man who wanders from the way of understanding will rest in the assembly of the dead. A man who wanders from the way of understanding will rest in the assembly of the dead. Now, verse 16 is a warning. It is a picture of a particular person, a specific person. Now, there's all types of people, but this is talking about a particular type of person. This person has understanding. They have found understanding. They have found the truth. They possess it. They are growing in it. So here's this person. They have found the truth. They have found the only source of truth, God's word. They possess it. They acknowledge it. They're growing in it. And this particular person, the Bible says, they wander away. Now, I think it's interesting, the, the words here. See the word choice. They do not run away. You could do that. Here's the truth, and I don't want it, that, that you could run away. They do not walk away. No, the Bible says they wander away. It is a meandering wandering. I want you to think about that and look at that picture for a second. Isn't that how most people leave the truth? Now listen, there's some folks that they run away, and there's some folks that they get a beeline and they walk away, but the vast majority of people that have found the truth of God's word, the majority of them, there's a little bit drift over here. And you know what? I'm, I may deviate a little bit. I may get off the path a little bit. But you know what? I might come back at a later date. and Maybe they do. But then once they're a little while, they, they, they start to drift off. And maybe it's not this direction this time. Maybe it's this other direction. They, they start to drift off this way. And maybe they come back this time, but it's not as far as they did last time. Maybe they don't return as close to the, to the truth as they once left it. And they begin to wander off. Maybe it's in distraction. Maybe it's in apathy. Maybe it's in rebellion and disobedience. But little by little, they wander away, they meander away from the truth. Over this period, through this process, they leave the way of understanding and they wander away from the truth. You ever seen that happen? I, I think about folks and I watch them over many years and you, and you watch their lives and you just want to scream at them, you were here, you were here, you had it, you were hearing it, you were growing. How'd you ever get over there? How'd you ever get this far away? How did it ever turn out like this? And most of the time when I look, it was a little bit of drifting and a little bit of meandering, a little bit of wandering, and they've left the way of truth. They will rest in the assembly 
of the dead. Now, this to me is an interesting picture. It's not, the Bible says, this person that wanders from the truth, that meanders from the truth, they will rest, they will end up in the assembly of the dead. Now, it's not just to be dead. It doesn't say, well, the wages of sin is death, and so now they're dead. It doesn't say there's a way to, that is right, seems right to a man, but in the end it ends in death. No, it's a different picture. They have wandered away, and now you find them in a group. You find them in an assembly. And the Bible says it's an assembly of the dead. Others who wandered away. Others who left the path. Others who love their sin more than righteousness. Others that love their self more than God. And so you come up on this sad assembly. And there's an assembly, a group, a gathering of people that are broken, that are despairing, that are purposeless, that are filled with regret. Assembly of dead people. And this person has wandered away and they've taken their place in that assembly, the assembly of the dead. How did they get there? A little at a time, they wandered into it. Now, we're going to end there tonight, but I want to tell you the, the call of that verse is this. The Bible tells us, listen, do not turn to the left or turn to the right. We live in a day when everything's trying to pull us to this side or that side. Do not turn to the left or turn to the right. As you have received Christ, we heard it this morning, so walk in him. This, this isn't talking about salvation. It's talking about walking now in the Christ that you have received. I don't know if I've ever said this. I'm going to start saying it, but I don't know if I've ever said this. Did you know this is the best way to live? <laughs> That's exactly where we end up with tonight. This is the best way to live. You know what? God's not saying, you know what, here's, here's a set of rules. Here's a bunch of duties you can't carry out. Here's a, a set of, of things to put you in a legalistic system. This is actually the best way to live. There is hope here. There is peace here. There is joy here. There is purpose here. This is actually the best way to live. Do not look to the left or to the right. The Jesus that you've received by faith, now walk in him. I'm going to ask if you'll stand, please. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come, and I, I pray the fruit of tonight is that we have grown, that we have had to consider to evaluate, that we, we've had a renewed desire placed in our hearts to serve you, to walk with you, that, that even tonight we've reset our priority to worship you, that we, we've, we've decided tonight this week we're going we're gonna to walk with you, we're going to search your word, we're going to search your ways, that we're going to live in obedience. Lord, I pray that's been, that's been put into us tonight as we've heard your word. And I, I pray the fruit of that, that we would walk in the best way to live. And I pray as we move into this week that we would raise kids in the best way to raise kids, that we would live in our, in our married life in the best way to live as a spouse, that we would do business in the best way to do business, that we would walk through this life living in the best way, a way of joy and peace and hope 
trained by your word. Lord, we come and tonight we ask that you'd forgive us where we're so quick to get off track, where we're so quick to wander, to meander, to look some other direction. Forgive us for that, but Lord, don't leave us there. Empower us to walk with you. My prayer tonight as we close this Lord's Day is that those that are in this room, those that are hearing in some other means, that we would have a desire and an empowerment to walk with Jesus this week. Help us in that. And then, Lord, we just come and end by saying we love you. We praise you. We worship you. We exalt you. We thank you. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.